Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am, of course, beat on and across from me on here on YouTube, if you're watching, is the good-looking Master Lothario himself. Gray, how you doing? Um, how about some more compliments there? Guy. um you know the let's hear some more uh best dressed up, man uh... in fantasy baseball <laughs> what's up b don hey not much gray uh you know what's just up? uh we are here we we both had our birthdays hey b don uh, hey, what's going on hey it sounds like uh Nicki minaj um <laughs> From stripping to rapping to fancy baseball analyst, Nicki Minaj. What's going on, B-Don? Uh, her podcast would absolutely kill us. Like she, oh It's God. a really good thing she doesn't do fantasy baseball. I was thinking she would come on our podcast. <laughs> uh, maybe you could make that happen, Gray. I, I don't have those connections. I don't live in LA. <laughs> oh, man. That would be amazing. Imagine. It was like, oh, my God. In Tower Wars this year is Nicki Minaj. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we, we, we kicked out somebody that nobody's ever heard of, and we put in Nicki Minaj. I think it'll be a good good swap. Yeah. It's a solid. <laughs> a solid swap out uh that's like uh that would that would trigger the booby trap and in like indiana jones when he takes like the uh relic and he puts on the sandbag <laughs> that's like something that doesn't trigger the booby trap this would trigger it <laughs> this is uh, stepping into you know the trap quicksand. yeah absolutely all right okay all right, so a five are... hour podcast <laughs> yeah let's go ahead and get into it this is the first baseman podcast for 2023 uh, what I noticed as I was going through your rankings, Gray, is that the dead ball in 2022 absolutely killed the first base position. Um, it used to be solid even last year or two years ago in 21. It was it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Um, the dead ball seems to have absolutely killed it. It it gets it's not pretty, Gray. Uh, first base used to be like fantasy goodness, and now it's just uh, it's awful. Yeah, you know, here's a. Uh... A, a guy will go over at some point, but you look at someone like Jose Abreu, who I who I do like this year and who will go over in more depth in a, in a couple minutes. But uh, yeah, I mean, he went from a 30 homer guy to a 15 homer guy in like, in like that. It's like, yeah. uh, what happened, man? Like nothing else changed. Like his fly ball rate is basically the same. And it's like, uh, but now he doesn't hit home runs. He hits line drives yeah it was a it was a tough year and first base doesn't look great like in general i was uh i was a little shocked at how bad it looked to be honest i was like going through first base and i was you know because it's usually a pretty deep position and you get like you know six in and you're like wait wait what <laughs> why is there no first baseman yeah so am anyway. i reading this correctly like uh, yeah. wait no no he can't be top yeah. 10 oh yeah. shit he's top 10. yeah no, he might be like seven <laughs> it's like yeah there's like you know the the top the big three of vlad jr freddie freeman and pete alonzo and then you know paul goldschmidt who's number four who just won the mvp isn't bad and then there's question marks <laughs> almost and immediately. Big old yeah, almost immediately you have like question marks. So yeah, anyway, so we should. All right, so let's jump into Paul Goldschmidt. He is number four. He's the first one that we're going to talk about. One through three was Vlad, 
Freddie Freeman and Pete Alonzo. We've talked about them in the top 20, so you can go listen to that one if you want to hear about them. So Paul Goldschmidt in 2022 had a 35 home run, seven stolen base, 106, 115, 317, 404, 578 campaign. It was one of his best seasons that he's he's put up for, I mean, ever, and he did it, you know, into his 30s. You have him down for 29, 7, 94, 105, 291. Rudy's pretty much right in line with you in regards to everything other than maybe the batting average, which he has him down for 274. I mean, it's really just a question of whether you want, whether you think he keeps it up at age 35, right? I mean, everything else kind of looks like it's in line. Yeah, no, completely. You know, with, uh, with Goldschmidt, I think he actually, like, this isn't necessarily uh, fantasy related, but I think he might have just punched his ticket for the Hall of Fame eventually with uh, his MVP year. Uh, just looking at his player page right now and his career stats, it's going to be close. I don't know. I mean, at a certain point, I think uh, the Hall of Fame is going to have to, you know, forget about those career numbers <laughs> to a certain extent, <laughs> letting in more people because. I mean, like Paul Goldschmidt definitely is not Lou Gehrig when it comes to career stats, but he is like, I mean, his numbers do look really good. Um, And uh, yeah, for fantasy this year, I think going in, you just have to kind of like, you know, put aside the fact that he's 35 years old and just assume he's going to keep producing because he's done really nothing but produce if you throw out the wonky um 2020 year he's got you know he's he's basically been a lock for 30 ish homers uh seven to 12 steals uh 300 ish average like he's a career 295 hitter uh yeah i mean he just looks like you're like your basic number three a guy in the order who's going to produce and is, uh, you know, a pretty lock solid uh, bet for uh, solid production. I honestly, I think with Goldschmidt, the only thing that is maybe a little bit worrisome is just the uh, the age. But other than that, like his numbers look fairly normal, like across the board. Like you know, his fly ball rate was totally fine. His uh, homers per fly ball is more or less within his career range. Everything really across the board is within his career range. Like he just continues to be solid. Not going to, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't bet on more, but I also, I mean, if you're betting on less, you're just betting on less because of the age. And, you know, that's just, that's a total, like just a shot in the dark that he's suddenly going to get old. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a problem with them. I didn't really love them going into last year um, because I thought like, you know, I kind of felt like he was a little bit overrated, but you know, uh, dur on me, (laughs) not, not smart, not right, not right. So yeah, I, uh, I I like them, you know, to a certain extent, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be drafting him because he is going pretty high and, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, I don't know if I'm willing to pay the price necessarily for him, but if he's there at eh, a decent, you know, I don't know, where's he going overall? I'm guessing like 30, uh, 30, 30 ish. Yeah, he's going, he's going 28 right now. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you gotta like, and that's the kind of thing, like, you know, not to give myself uh 
<laughs> not to totally hedge my uh, uh, hedge what I say and and to give myself a buy on everything I say, but if you're gonna get Goldschmidt, you really have to have the right draft pick. Like you can't have like you know like if you're in a position where you're taking you know Vlad Freeman or Alonzo, then Goldschmidt's off the board. And if you're in a position where you know, if you're in a position where, like, if, like, say, I don't know, Tatis falls to you in the second round, if someone falls to you in the second round, then, you know, you're going to want to take th- that person over taking Goldschmidt. Like, yeah, like when you're that high up in the draft, uh, you really have to have a certain pick in order to get a certain guy. But with all that said, eh, I don't know. I probably would draft him if he fell to like 35 in the high 20s feels a little bit high but yeah i i also can't argue with it i mean if you if you need that production i can see it you know it's like i don't see anything really that awful about him like in any of his peripherals yeah i mean if he makes it to 28 in my draft room i'm probably gonna have a hard time passing him up because we're talking about that adp there's probably about three to five guys in that ADP that I'm not drafting. So we're talking about the pitchers, basically the closers, the catchers, um, Freddie Freeman. I'm not drafting um, like those. There, there's probably five, six guys that fit those in those categories that I'm not drafting. So if Paul Goldschmidt slips to 25, 28, 30, then yeah, he's probably going to be in my selection of picks, but you're right. Like it, up until that point, I'm not necessarily thinking about him. Like I'm, I'm probably taking, all the first basemen that we talked about, other than Freeman, when I'm talking, taking Devers, Riley, um, Machado, I'm taking Michael Harris. So there's there's guys that are certainly above him. So it, it does fall into an ADP discussion at some point. Um, but I do like him more than Freeman. So that's that's one adjustment that I would make. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, completely. I mean, you know, like specifically I have guys like, I think I have like Marcus Simeon a little bit above him. So, and he's going, I think later. So probably if it, if I were looking at it, I'd probably be like, you know, Simeon because I like the, uh, the power like Simeon versus Goldschmidt is basically a batting average uh, bet uh, and more steals for Simeon. So, you know, in, in theory at least, and the same amount of power. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Not really. I mean, it's sort of splitting hairs. I I don't I don't mind Goldschmidt if people want to uh, grab him. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm with you. I, I think we're kind of in the same place there. Uh, I, to my point about Freeman, I don't really understand why Goldie's going after Freeman. Like you're getting high average from both. You're getting probably. I mean, if we're trusting somebody's speed, I trust Goldie to steal five to ten bases more than I trust Freeman. Uh, Freeman just put up you know, a 35 home run season. We saw Freddie hit a 21 home run season. Um, They both hit for high average. So this is one where I feel like the masses have decided Freddie Freeman goes in the top 15. Goldschmidt goes in the top 30. Whereas I feel like those two should be reversed. So I do think there's some potential buying opportunity here on Goldschmidt, but let's go ahead and move on. It's fair. fair. No, No, one second before we move on. I mean, that is a fair argument because it is like what what are you getting from freeman that you're not getting from goldsmith i guess it's a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more average and the assumption is that freeman and goldie 
are going to be within like a handful of power, a handful of home runs, I guess. Like p- people are assuming Freeman's power is going to come back to like 25 and Goldschmidt's like 28. So, you know, free homers is, you know, that's really a push basically. But I, I, yeah, no, I mean, I hear you though. Like there is a case to be made that like Freeman's average and Goldschmidt's average are probably going to be, you know, basically the same. And Goldschmidt's speed, I mean, he's shown speed more than Freeman for many more years. Like, he's has a, a lot more of a track record when it comes to, hey, track record, like track, track and field. Get it? No? All right. <laughs> Continuing on. Um, yeah, no, like Freeman and, and Goldschmidt is probably a good, like, you know, who's better. And, and it's hard. You know, a lot of people would say Freeman, but I is it is hard to say that specifically and i'm i had freeman i have freeman above goldsmith but i i don't love freeman i i think freeman has issues like i do and it's like freeman is kind of in that place where goldsmith was a couple years ago and freeman could come out of it and hit a lot and hit for more power this year but if he also comes back and hits like 17 to 20 homers this year people are gonna be like oh what did i do <laughs> why why did i draft a, a 20 homer 10 steal 300 hitter with my you know second pick <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean I, first I pick in some cases yeah first um, pick in in deeper leagues for sure yeah, yeah. so uh, my whole goal is to eventually get you to move freddie freeman out of your top 40 <laughs> Like, uh, like I have. So that's what I'm working towards. Uh, moving on to Freddie Freeman's replacement in Atlanta at number five, which is Matt Olson. Uh, in 22, he had 34 home runs. He went 86, 103, 240, 325. You have him down for 37 home runs, a stolen base, 92, 111, 246. Uh, we all, and I say we collectively at Rasball, all kind of got on board the Matt Olson train, partially because Rudy was like, no, he's moving to Atlanta. It's going to be massive. Um, if you look at the numbers, like 34, 240 is not, not that bad. Um, but he's like, he's going to be 30 home runs. I have no, dash, no question about that, but I have no, no clue, Gray, what the hell his batting average ever is going to look like under underlying numbers look pretty much the same as they always have. Um, the first pitch swing rate was up and he struggled with breaking balls, but like that changes for him every year. I don't know what his average looks like. I just know he's going to hit me 30 home runs. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think with um, Matt Olson, the thing is that he's like the uh, a guy who's like, has so much, I mean, he has so much power, hits the ball so hard and, you know, assuming the, the lack of the shift helps even just a little bit, um, you know, even if, even if it's just five points on average, like he feels like it, like neutrally because how hard he hits the ball i would think he's a 240 hitter just like completely neutral uh what he was last year was he hit 240 um with uh 24% Ks and uh 274 babbitt so if his babbitt comes up just a little bit because he does hit the ball so hard and his Ks stay even at 24% that's not i mean 24% isn't really that crazy of a, a strikeout rate for a guy like with his power i mean 245 doesn't feel like insane for like his average you know like you told like you said 
I project him for 246. Rudy has him for 249. I don't know. I mean, that feels like, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying that like, you know, from year to year, his average kind of fluctuates all over the board. But, you know, if you're throwing out 2020, when he hit 195, he's been basically a, a 250 hitter uh, for his career. Even with the two, even with the 195 average, he's he hits 250 for his career um, officially. But I mean, even with that thrown out, like I'm saying, neutrally, he's 240. Throw out the shift, and he's 245. Yeah, I mean, 245 to 250 two-ish for average that's i mean i don't think that's too wild of a uh you know for him i i don't i don't really worry about his average that much uh i do feel like he could potentially like have this huge season like i like matt olson still i'm still a big fan i'd probably have him I, I don't know if I have him ranked above ADP. I might. Uh, let's see. Matt Olson's at – oh, he's at 45 overall. As of right this second, I have him at 40 overall, you know, uh, subject to change, obviously. But, yeah, I have uh, – yeah, I have pretty good confidence in Matt Olson to be like a 35 homer, 245 hitter with um, Buku, if they, if they still say it. Buku <laughs> runs in RBIs. Do they say it? I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure what the kids say anymore, <laughs> but yeah, I I think uh, I think Matt Olson's like really kind of uh, underrated a little bit. I think he could have like I mentioned in my uh, my top twenty uh, first baseman. I mean, I mentioned that I think he could have like a huge MVP type year. Like if I were to put like you know, and I'm not saying. He's a favorite to win the MVP, <laughs> but if you're looking for a like a dark horse MVP bet, Matt Olson like could be have one of those years where he hits 45 homers, gets 130 RBIs, 100 plus runs, and hits 260. It, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, he's really like he has immense power. So. I'm a big fan. Obviously, I have him ranked pretty high. Uh, I I would be I will be drafting Matt Olson again. Yeah, I don't have any problem drafting Matt Olson where he's going either. Uh, the average is just a little a little frustrating. Like I said, if you if you look at the last four years and you mentioned the 2020 was being weird, but like 267, 195, 271, 240. Like there's a gigantic swing. Even if you move the 195. We're still talking like a 30 plus point swing in batting average. Um, and I, I think that's repeat. Like, I think he can do it. I think he can fall anywhere between like 240 and 270. I just don't know which one it is. So it just becomes a little bit difficult as you're putting your team together. And I probably build in a little bit more average later um, than maybe I would have last year drafting Maddles. Yeah, that's fair. All right, moving on to number six, which is the next tier. Uh, the third tier, happily in the puzzle aisle of a toy store. Nate Lowe, <laughs> Nathan, sorry, Nathaniel Lowe. Uh, last year, he went 27 and 2, 74, 76, 302, 358, 492. You have him down for 26 home runs, five stolen bases, 86, 94, 277. Rudy has him down for pretty much the same numbers. Um, I mean, he just he, he got more aggressive last year and it worked out for him. Nate Lowe is kind of one of those guys you either believe in or not this year, I feel like. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I I do have more 
trepidation with him ever since I heard that the Rangers were using a bouncy ball uh, at home that, you know, it's not, not that his, uh, his home and away splits were, I don't, I don't think they were insane, but I do think it's, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a confidence booster when the ball's bouncing off your bat a little bit better when you're, uh, when you're at home. Um, he's actually, he hit better in away games uh, mm-hmm. for power at least. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, I went into, uh, you know, I go into each player really trying my best to just like uh, look at what they should do uh, without taking too much into consideration what they just did. Uh, and, you know, putting aside recency bias, but um, yeah, he got more aggressive and it worked for him. Like it worked really well. I mean, his contact in the zone went up his uh, contact outside the zone. It's all like, like his O swing and his um, it, it went from 22.8 uh, to 30.5 like that to me says aggressive. And it also, I mean, you know, on the downside, if you want to be negative, the, uh, the thing is like, if you get really aggressive with balls outside the zone, you start making weak contact because you're hitting pitchers pitches and it's not great, but I, you know, it worked for him. And I, at 26 years old, it feels like he's come into his own. I was kind of surprised that I was the only one really, or maybe I'm not, but I, I feel like I'm trusting him more than most because his ADP, like he's going way after like, you know, uh, Vinny, uh, Vinny Paschetti and Jose Abreu, uh, you know, uh, Nate Lowe's going after those guys, mm-hmm. um, which is like, and I don't necessarily dislike those guys. I'm just saying like, if you're going off a of last year and his peripherals alone, not just like, yeah, I mean, his numbers look good. I mean, they look like uh, numbers of a guy who just broke out to a certain extent. Again, you know, it's a little bit worrisome about the bouncy ball thing, but he wasn't terrible on the road. So, you know, try to try to overlook it a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I like Nate Lowe. I was surprised at how much I liked Nate Lowe. I think we should also briefly discuss that, like, between uh, Olsen and Goldschmidt, there is like the biggest drop off I've seen in a long time for first baseman, like it, or any tier really like if for a top 100 tier, that is a, like, I think there's a good 40 spots between like Olsen and low, at least in, in my ranking. So you're looking at like 40 overall and 80 overall, which 40, 40 spots doesn't sound like a lot, except in the top 100, that's a huge gap. Like that is a really big drop off. Like we've gone from like first baseman to like, mm, I kind of want it as my corner man in a shallower league <laughs> or like, you know, like, or like obvious or an obvious drop off for a first baseman. Like if you, like if you're drafting Goldschmidt or, or Olsen and your league mate drafts Nate Lowe and you're looking at the two teams you're going to be like, eh, the guy with Goldschmidt's got a better team. <laughs> it's just better. Sorry. I don't know what happened to your team. I don't know what you did with first base, but you kind of punted. It's like, what? I didn't punt. I drafted a guy at 80 overall. Like, yeah, I don't know. And Nate Lowe's okay, but is Nate Lowe Paul Goldschmidt? 
Nah, I don't think so. I'm not. I'm coming back with a no. He's not. So, yeah, I like uh, I like Nate Lowe a decent amount, or Nathaniel Lowe. Excuse me. <laughs> He's like suddenly, but. My man walked into uh, Louis Vuitton and decided to start going by Nathaniel. Okay, anyway, I I like him, but it's obvious he's not in the tier above. I mean, it's pretty clear. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And and to your point about the ADPs, I mean, the players going around Matt Olson are like Randy Rosarina, Jazz Chisholm, uh, Cedric Mullins. So like guys that are you know, borderline first rounders still going in that area. Whereas the guys going around Nate Lowe are like Byron Buxton, Tyro, Ty, Tyler O'Neill, uh, Seiya Suzuki. So like guys, you're hoping bounce back. Like that's the difference in ADP cost between Olsen and Lowe. And you're right. That's like the craziest split I've ever seen at first base specifically. And really like among most positions, catchers always kind of top heavy, but like most positions work themselves out a little bit better <laughs> slow or yeah. more slowly than that yeah um, no exactly yeah more of a more of a gradual decrease versus this giant jump down mm-hmm. yeah so now moving on to number seven jose abreu he's off to houston and also the poster boy for the first base dead ball death by uh death by lack of home runs last year he had 15 home runs he had 85 75, 304, 378, 446. You have him down for 26 home runs this year, 83, 109, 273. So you clearly like the move back to Houston here. Or I do, yeah. No, I am. I'm a fan. I like Jose Abreu. I think uh, I think he's probably, you know, um, like, it, it, like it, honestly, it's going to come down to, like, this is going to be a make or break year for sure uh, for – um, well, definitely for Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that, but I just keep thinking of Tatis. Like, I wake up in the middle of the night in sweats. Like, holy crap, if Tatis is not good this year, like, it's the end of his career. <laughs> but anyway, Jose Abreu, like, if he has another 15 homer year, then, you know, egg on my face, and Jose Abreu is now a 15 homer guy. Like, that is probably i mean that's a legitimate concern for sure but i I don't know the crawford boxes um him just going to like a really stacked lineup i like jose abreu i like the bounce back i think he's still like if you look at his numbers like his hard hit percentage year over year from 21 to 22 wasn't a huge difference. Like his uh, fly balls were down a little bit, but not too bad. It was really his homer per fly ball that really took the biggest dump. And that happened with everyone in Chicago. Like I, I almost feel like they set their uh, humidor on 11 and it was like, whoa, <laughs> we don't, we're, we're, we're too high, I think. Wait, what's going on here? Why is the humidor deflating the balls? <laughs> they, they, why do the balls look like raisins? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like Jose Abreu, though. I think he's, you know, he is what he is. Honestly, I wouldn't expect, like, you know, he's not going to suddenly steal seven bags. Like, you know, he's totally exactly what you expect, um, plus or minus on the power. But I think it's going to be plus on the power with the Crawford boxes. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, he's going to get some of that power back. Um, and I, I feel like uh, I feel like both sides of Chicago somehow had the wind blowing in 
all season because neither of neither team in Chicago hit home runs. Uh, now that maybe that's just because the Cubs lineup is pathetic, but uh, it it just wasn't a great season. But yes, I, I'm with you on a Jose Abreu bounce back. Um, and honestly, as at, at the first base position, if you just get what he did last year, which is a great average counting numbers and, you know, the 15 home runs would be disappointing, but that's still pretty much what you're getting for first base, <laughs> um, here on out. And we'll, we'll kind of get into that, but, uh, moving on to number eight is Christian Walker. Last year, he went 36 to 84, 94, 242. You have him down for 33 home runs, two stolen bases, 79, 87, and 240. Uh, Rudy has him pretty much in that same area, but he has him uh, slightly down on the rank as he has him down at 16th among first basemen. So it's not really that the numbers disagree that much. Uh, you have a few more homers, but just uh, I feel like Rudy has some other guys um you know projected a little bit better yeah no i think uh you know i i am probably giving him a little bit more uh credit on average i would guess if uh if i had to guess why my ranking has him a little bit higher than rudy's ranking um yeah i mean i don't know i think uh you know i think with christian walker Last year, like he's really, I mean, he's old. He's uh, going to be 32 in March. Um, I think he's probably, you know, if anything, he might only have like another year or two, uh, you know, because he just broke out so late. But the power looks real. I mean, everything looks like legitimate. I, you know, I, I, like I said, I go into this looking to see if, you know, anything looks like, odd in his in the numbers and the numbers looked pretty much as they, as they should i mean it looks like his fly balls and his homer per fly ball they look relatively within like career norms it was just you know it was a, a really excellent year for him last year and i don't really see a reason why his power should like suddenly drop off um so you know with that in mind yeah that's where he ended up ranking for me i didn't really I mean, I honestly was kind of surprised he ranked as high as he did, but I don't know. I mean, if you look at his numbers, like, uh, say, 32 homers, two steals, and, uh, what, 240 I have him for, that versus, like, Nate Lowe, who I have for 26 homers and 275-ish and maybe, you know, five steals. I don't know. It's essentially, I, I mean, okay. 30, 30 more points on average, I guess is, you know, I mean, I, I do have Nate low above them. So obviously I, I had, you know, I had that, uh, but yeah, I don't know. The average is more or less doesn't 240 average. It's not like he's giving you a 190 average. I mean, the career, the uh, major league uh, average across the, the league is like 240 three or something i mean it's just you know i mean no one hits for a good average so i don't know i mean christian walker I, again i mean it's not like the most exciting <laughs> but you know i was uh i probably am the lowest on the next guy so i guess we should move on to him yeah and i will say for you and you and rudy's dispar- discrepancy there it seems like it's the home runs you have him down for 33 Rudy has him down for 25. So that seems to be the biggest difference between the two projections. Um, and I will say, like, he's been very erratic in his power. Like, he, he had the 29 homer season 
in 2019. The shortened 20 season, he had seven, which would have prorated out to like low 20s. And then last year in 115 games, he had, or 2021, he had 10. And then he had 36 in 22. So like, it's just been a little bit erratic in, in regards to the power. So I can see where Rudy's coming from. He just doesn't give him that that 30 plus guaranteed. Um, I, I'd probably have him over 25. So I'm probably right in the middle of you two. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so moving on to Vinny P. Last year, he comes up 72 games. He had 10 home runs. He had a stolen base, 25-26. He hits 295, 383, 450. And AAA in 73 games, he had 18 home runs, three stolen bases, and hit 277. You've got him down for 27 home runs, a stolen base, 71, 82, and 279. And as you mentioned, he does have a little bit of helium. Just, you know, anytime there's a – a prospect that comes up and hits well, they they just get that that draft helium the next year a little bit. I don't feel like it's out of control on Vinny, but what I mean, as you mentioned, you may be among the lower people on him in the in the general industry. Yeah, you know, and I was kind of surprised. Um, I didn't really, I didn't think I was going to be that low on him uh, when I was like doing my rankings. But yeah, people are really high on him, <laughs> really, really high, like. Even if you take me out of uh, out of the picture and you look at like projections of like twenty five homers, two steals, two seventy eight average, uh, I mean it's fine. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, like that's fine. But people have him like he's the he's a uh, what is he the sixth best first baseman according to ADP. So he's right after Matt Olson, like. I don't know. Is is that is 25 homers, two steals, 278 average in a a Royals lineup? I mean, you know, I don't think the Royals are terrible, but they're not. They're not. They're nowhere near the Astros. Like if you were to just take so if you just take uh, no one else but you just take Jose Abreu and Pascatino, um, Vinny Paschetti, if you were to take Paschetti and Abreu and put their numbers back-to-back, Abreu is going to beat him in average. He's going to – he's going to – they're going to – they're basically the same for speed. Vinny doesn't have any real speed. And then so you look at runs and RBIs. Is there any way – so Abreu beats him in average. Is there any way Abreu is not going to beat him in runs and RBIs? I mean, it doesn't seem like possible. It really seems impossible for Vinny to beat Abreu in runs and RBIs. So right there you have three categories alone where Abreu is better and steals where they're the same. So, that, so the, your final category is homers. So people are saying Vinny has so much more power than Jose Abreu that he's so much more valuable than Jose Abreu to be drafted higher than him. And Vinny, Vinny has 10 homers in his career, his major league career. I mean, I know he's got more power than that, and that was only in 72 games. But still, I mean, it wasn't like in a half season we saw like 20 homers and he looks like he's headed for a 40 homer season. I mean, that is not the case here. So I don't know. I mean, honestly, I wasn't expecting to be the, uh, the low man on the uh, Vinny Pascatino uh, totem pole, but apparently I am. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm kind of with you and that's that, you know, I, I really wanted to, to be high on Vinny P because he, he is a great hitter. I love him as a baseball player. Cause 
you know, he, he plays great defense. He, he doesn't strike out. He takes his walks. Like he's a great baseball player in real life for our game. I don't know if it all translates. Like, I don't even know if I believe that he hits your marks that you've given him, which, uh, you know, respectfully seem, uh, you know, low compared to the general consensus. Like we said, Um, I just don't know if it happens. I I kind of get like, like if you take what Alex Bregman has done, like the last two seasons and, and give him a little bit more on average, like I feel like that's what Vinny is. Like he's and he's put him, and in, put him in and put him in a worse lineup. Yeah, and stick him in a in a terrible lineup. Like that's what you're getting with Vinny. I I just don't know that it's it's gonna quite provide the breakout people are looking for. Now, if he hits 30 home runs and it's you know 300 this year, then I'll I'll eat my words and I'll I'll be completely wrong. I just don't see the 330 season happening quite yet. Uh, maybe the power comes eventually but i just didn't see enough last year to think it's coming it's also like if you're looking like i know there's no there's no speed really at first base or not usually at least you know there's mm-hmm. a couple guys but for the most part there's no speed but if you're looking for guys that are going to be like they're going to outperform their adp you want to at least see guys who could excel in five categories like we said with the royals lineup not being great like where is vinny excelling to the point where like his best case scenario, and I don't think this is a real, I don't think this is a real scenario for him, but his best case is like a Pete Alonzo, like a breakout 40 plus homers and a 285 average or something. Like that's like his best case scenario. I don't think that's a real, I don't think that's really. And anyone's like, that's like a 1% chance of that happening. Like, I don't think that's really going to happen. So like, what is people's like, where I, I feel like Bregman's not a bad comparison because like, that's probably like the best case scenario for uh, Vinny. And then that case scenario is like, kind of like, eh, it's okay. I mean, yeah. And I'm not talking about the like 31, 10 Bregman. I'm, I'm talking about like last year, like 23, one. Yeah, like, I mean yeah. it's good and it's fine. And it's like and and like you're saying too like and I don't dislike him. I think he's great. I just don't see the really the fantasy upside. Yeah, I don't um, get the, the 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 fantasy ADP yeah. like where like, honestly, like, like the next guy in my rankings I think has more upside, but yeah, and that's like, that's yeah, number 10 ahead. is Re- is Reese Hoskins. Um, we'll just go ahead and bring him up into this discussion. Uh, last year, he hit 30 home runs. He hit 246, 81-79. Uh, Young down for 30 home runs, three stolen bases, 84-77, and 245. I mean, he's he's almost a locked hit at least, you know, I'd say mid-20s home runs, even high-20s home runs, and probably in that 240, mid-240s area. But you're right. As far as upside goes, like he hits the ball really hard. If he just makes an adjustment and puts the ball like in play a little bit more, th- that could happen. Yeah, no, completely. I think Reese Hoskins is like a great value bet. Like if you're looking at a guy who, uh, you know, um, what's his what's his ADP? Uh, one twenty one. Yeah, I mean, I you know he's kind of a boring name for like a sleeper post. So I I didn't write that. <laughs> Because you know, got to keep him exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's the kind of guy who could really like break out. I mean, he's not 
I, I don't think, you know, again, it's like he's not going to give you much speed. Um, and he's probably his average. Like if you're looking at most most likely scenarios, he's going to hit 32 homers and 245. Like that's, you know, most likely. 29 to 32 homers, three steals, 245 average, and decent runs in RBIs. Not terrible. Probably as good as Vinny, if not better. Um, and the average will be lower than Vinny is, you know, everyone's assumption, including my own. But if he gets lucky uh, on Babbitt and, like, you know, his, uh, you know, if his average comes up just a little bit, if he hits, like, a hair over what he usually hits, like, he's a pretty solid bet for 245. Like, that's basically what he hits every year. But if he hit, if he gets lucky and has a 260, a 260 average year and gets into a couple extra homers, hits two hits 35 homers, it's not hard to imagine him being a really solid, productive bat at, you know, first base for, like, a fantasy team. Um, you know, hit the difference between him and, you know, uh, Matt Olson may not be as dramatic of a difference as uh, ADP seems to think. Um, and I, and I also think so, no, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pushing this all off on other people. I also think Matt Olson is much better, but there's a chance that Reese Hoskins and Matt Olson could not, could be closer in reality than they appear, uh, in the, uh, rear view mirror. What am I saying? I don't know. <laughs> you, know you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean, you're, you're right. Cause we're, we're essentially talking about a 30 home run, no speed, 245 hitter and that's essentially what Matt Olson was last year Olson obviously has a little bit more power I feel like or at least has shown a little bit more power and he has definitely shown a little bit more average but like their lines at the end of last year pretty close so I, I agree I think that there's there's maybe some additional value here to be had compared to taking Olson as a top you know 40 player yeah, and I, no, and I do, and also uh, like if you're looking at like, and uh, uh, at the end of the day on the player raider last year, uh, Matt Olson was at six, and Reese Hoskins was at ten, uh, but only four dollars separated them, and between Matt Olson, like Reese Hoskins was the uh, the sort of the next tier down from uh, the in the first baseman at 10 overall for first baseman. Uh Matt Olson was at 6 overall for first baseman. But they were I mean that's pretty close. For $4 isn't like that dramatically uh different. Like there's, you know, it's like the uh the difference between like um I don't know, say Christian Yelich and Tommy Pham, Ryan Mountcastle. Like I'm, I'm, I looked at a fifteen to eleven dollar uh, difference on the player rater. Anyway, it, it, Hoskins and Olson are probably in the same breath when it comes to uh, production, but on ADP, you got to pay like seventy dollars, uh, not seventy, seventy, uh, seventy spots in ADP better. For Matt Olson, so you have to, uh, you know, you have to draft him like six rounds earlier than Reese Hoskins. So yeah, there's value to be had with Reese Hoskins. He could be a sleeper if he wasn't like you know kind of boring to talk about. <laughs> even though we managed to talk about him for 45 minutes. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree. I mean, the the 75, 80 picks and ADP seems 
seems ridiculous to me between the two of them, considering the, the again, four dollars is not worth 80 picks. Um, moving on to the next guy, the next tier. Um, I'm not even gonna try and, and name your throw the name out for your tier, but um, <laughs> CJ, CJ Crone, uh, Claude John Crone, the king of splits. <laughs> he had 29 home runs last year, 79, 102, 257. You have him down for 28 home runs, 71, 86, 251. Um, Gray, I, I had to run read these splits. Home, he hit 302, 22 <laughs> home runs. Away, he hit 214, seven home runs. In the first half, he hit 20 or 298, 21 home runs. In the second half, he hit 197 with eight home runs. I don't know if there's a person who who scares me more in this this top like 12 first baseman than CJ Crone. I'm I'm kind of terrified. Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, Curtis Jackson Crone as our uh, as our new Tout Wars member Nicki Minaj would say. Um, yeah, I think uh, you know I think he's probably. Like he's he is Crone is likely not good, <laughs> except for Coors. <laughs> he's likely just like kind of kind of terrible if it wasn't for Coors. Like he's kind of the opposite of the uh, the next guy Ryan Mountcastle, um, who, who unfortunately the Orioles have ruined that stadium. Like you put Mountcastle in Coors. Mamma mia. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, uh, uh, which is something uh, Vinny uh, Paschetti says. Uh, yeah, no, I think CJ Crone is like, uh, I mean, he's a lock for 27 ish homers, 20, you know, anywhere from like uh, 25 to 29 homers. Like, he's a lock for certain numbers. It's just how he gets there is kind of like, a little bit of an, uh, you know, you're holding your nose with like, you know, when you're in a weekly league and he's got three games at home and you're like, eh, well, here we go. Uh, hopefully he does enough at home because he's going to be awful when he goes away for the uh, the final uh, four game home, uh, excuse me, four game road stand. Um, road series, road stand? I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> CJ, yeah, CJ Crone is what he is. Uh it's just the way he gets there is a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a nose hold. Yeah. Uh, it, it's terrifying to me. Um, those, those, the splits just, whew, I don't know if I can deal with another season of it. I had him last year. He was great to have in the first half. Um, you, you knew when to start him for the most part, but man, that the second half line may be more concerning to me than the home away, at least home away you can plan for. Like, I don't know what happened in the second half that he just fell yeah. the, apart. Like, he just fell apart, Gray. It was, it was yeah, bad. no, completely. You know, and that's always like, like the second half, I think the first half and second half splits, not just with CJ Chrome, but in general, like, second half splits are always like they, there's so much weight that I feel like they carry more weight sometimes because it's like, well, that is. Like if a guy's not good in the second half, or if he's really good in the second half, like that is who he's going to become. You know, like that's always <laughs> the worry. It's like, oh, CJ Crone was so terrible in the second half. What if he's terrible in the first half this year, <laughs> and then he gets even worse in the second half this year? What if it's just like this isn't like 
a splits issue. This is like him getting bad <laughs> issue. <laughs> like that's that's a concern, man. And you know, CJ Crone's the guy who I you know this is you know in this tier in general. Like we were saying, like how the the first baseman's the face the first baseman is shallower than you expect. Like this tier is not great. You know, this no. is really like <laughs> this is not like I don't like some of the guys in this tier. I don't like hate necessarily, but I'm not looking to draft like like CJ Crone. If I can avoid CJ Crone, I'm avoiding him because of all the things we're saying. Like the splits are really a worry. Yeah, I mean, from the rest of the way, like from here on out, it's like uh, I don't really want to draft him, but I have to play somebody at, at corner infield or even first base if you if you you know you just missed out on on the guys because I, honestly, I think first base is probably a position that gets gets that positional bump once people start drafting, like we've seen with third base already kind of happen. Like third base is getting bumped up, like there's three of them, and then the, it, there's like nobody else playing the position. Um, first base, I think, is worse, honestly, than third base. So I'm surprised that it hasn't happened, and I think it may come around. Um, moving on to Ryan Mountcastle, you talked about him. Last year, he had 22 home runs, four stolen bases, 62-85. He had 250. You have him down for 24 home runs, five stolen bases, 74, 88, 253. I mean, he had the career best. He had his career best hard hit rate, barrel rate, average exit velocity, and lost 10 to 12 home runs. Yeah, well, that's Baltimore, man. Baltimore, moved, they were like, let's move our left field fence out to Virginia and see what happens. Like, uh, okay, I guess you found out what happens. Bring up uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, can we get some pitchers that. now? Yeah, like, okay. Don't go out and get Cole Irvin. Come on, man. Stop playing games with us. I you know I love Ryan Mountcastle like you mentioned like I like his peripherals look amazing like he looks so good like yeah. if he was in Cincy last year his expected homers was forty homers like Mountcastle looks awesome yeah, get him out of Baltimore <laughs> like soon quickly please please yeah so yeah I don't know I got nothing else to say on him other than I like him but his home stadium I mean it's just killing him. It is. It's absolutely brutal. Um, you know, I guess the one hope is, and I'm, I'm trying to pull it up right now, maybe maybe it's time for his contract to be up and he can finally get traded out of there. Um, oh, he yeah. just started arbitration. So, no, he still has like three yeah, years. He's not going. They're going to give him – they're going to contest every arbitration. He ain't going anywhere for a while. Yeah. So uh, moving on, then, since he has no hope of, of getting out of, of Baltimore and Camden Yards, moving on to number 13 is Andrew Vaughn, another person who fell victim to the White Sox no home run thing. Um, 2022, he had 70 home runs. He 60-76 hit 271. You have him down for 18 home runs, 73-82, and a 264 average. Um, in the first half last year, I, I kind of thought he was – like it was, it was breakout time. He was hitting – 301, he had 10 home runs. In the second half, he hit 234 with seven home runs. So the power really didn't drop, but when the average dropped 70 points, uh, not not great. Um, and and I will say the White Sox as a team seemed to kind of phone in the entire second half. So they wouldn't have Tony in the uh in the dugout come this year. But what do you have on Andrew Vaughn? I feel like this is a guy that I could beat talk myself into being drafted. 
because at least he brings some upside. Like at least there's still that that hope of of something to happen here. The uh, you know maybe instead of a humidor, the White Sox are using one of those like uh, cryogenic freezers. <laughs> well, <laughs> did anyone see? This is more out to the uh, general public. Did anyone see if like when a White Sox player hit the ball squarely, if the ball shattered? <laughs> anyone did anyone notice that this year flake off a little bit <laughs> yeah, just like the ball just shattered like a snowball it was just like whoa what happened that doesn't seem normal uh yeah i don't know man it's uh sun's up sun's up the chicago that's another thing that I, it's going to be interesting to see because like in general like you mentioned like wrigley too played um really like a pitcher's park which it doesn't usually like it seemed like the the wind was blowing in in chicago like every home game for both every, the white on both sides yeah, yeah for both sides it doesn't really make sense so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see like what happens this year like if the stadium if both uh chicago teams bounce back with power or if it really is because of like you know, humidor, like, you know, jokes aside, like if it's a, a humid climate and you put a humidor in there, you are going to reduce, um, you know, offense. So that, I mean, it could be, I guess, you know, it's, po it's possible something weird is going on with like the, uh, you know, with the humidor and the balls. And I don't know, man, it is bad though. And Andrew Vaughn doesn't look like he doesn't look anywhere close. Like I remember when he got promoted originally, it was like, Oh, he's going to be a 30 homer 280 hitter. Well, the 280 seems possible. I don't know where the 30 homers are. <laughs> I, I mean, he's got 32 homers in 261 career games. So we'll see if the white Sox get into one of those, like, you know, thousand inning extra inning games and he gets like an extra 500 at bats this year i don't know maybe <laughs> yeah still waiting for that that 60 raw power that we were told about to show up um again i think it, it can i just don't know i don't know if it's going to happen now or in three years when he you know the white Sox trade him or never i i honestly don't know um so I, it's again i i can talk myself into a breakout here so I probably like him a little bit more than some of the other guys that we're going to talk about rest of the way out. But I also don't feel very strongly about a projected line for him either. Yeah. Moving on to our next guy. And that's Ty France. Last year, he had 20 home runs, 65, 83 at 274. You have him down for 18 home runs, 73, 79 and a 271 average. Um, and for Ty France last year, there was pre wrist injury, and after wrist injury, pre-wrist injury, he was hitting 316. He had 10 home runs. After the injury, he hit 232 with 10 home runs. Um, so the average just bottomed out as soon as that wrist injury happened. Wrists are always a little tricky. You never know if they've actually recovered or not. Um, it kind of looks like you're taking the middle ground, though. You're not necessarily putting him at the 300 hitter we saw, and you're also not putting him down at the 230 hitter we saw. Yeah, you know, and in general, like with first base, I've realized on that, like, there's like it used to be the average first baseman was like a 30 homer, 270 hitter. Now they seem to be like 20 homer, 270 hitters, which is like really not good. <laughs> it's, not, it's not, it's not great. I, I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> dead ball really has done wonders. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, like in the in the 90s it was like wow everyone's hitting 60 homers now it's like i wonder if he'll hit 15 uh, yeah i don't know like like you mentioned the power was the power was fine after the wrist injury right so mm-hmm. yeah i mean so i think the wrist injury was like it's probably not that big of a, I, I mean, a wrist injuries are always a little bit scary, but I think he's probably fine. Like I'm not, I'm not that concerned. I think the, uh, you know, my, my biggest concern with him is just that uh, Seattle's terrible park for power. He hasn't ever shown to have real power. Like he's a line drive hitter. So, I mean, if he goes, you know, if he goes and hits like 18 homers and 270, I mean, it's okay, I guess. <laughs> if you yeah. got to twist my arm, it's it's okay. I mean, it's fine. It's not really that exciting. Um, sort of like, I mean, Andrew Vaughn and him are like, you know, they're they're separated by um, what you call it. They're they're separated by uh, in in ADP. That is, they're separated by about thirty uh, spots, which is I guess only like two rounds, but still, Vaughn is way above. Ty France, I don't know. They they feel like exactly the same to me. I, I mean, I guess it, that could be uh, uh, nitpicking on whether or not uh, Ty France is really uh, the same as Andrew Vaughn, but it feels like the same, even yeah. though in ADP he's much he's he's a little bit later. Uh, and for you know the the wrist injury too, his uh, his Babbitt was way down in the second half. So maybe that accounted for something. I don't know. His hard hit was probably down too. I didn't, I didn't look to see if it was, I'm sure it probably was, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he's an 18, 18 ish two seventy hitter. Hopefully yeah. <laughs> it, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. That's, that's kind of, kind of what I was thinking. I mean, he's kind of in that area. Maybe he gives you that, that batting average. Um, that, that may be the one area he can kind of, you know, be a plus guy for you. Um, but to your point about ADP, like his line's not that different than Vinny P. He's going 90 yeah. picks later, Gray. Right. Like, <laughs> I, know. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's just how first base works. Like I keep saying these things, but it's really just how first base works. And like, and, and I think the main reason Vaughn's going before France is just, you know, that what I said, like there's still potential for Vaughn to show us something like, Ty France at best is going to be like a 320 home run hitter. Um, right. And that's like the upside. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Moving on to your next tier, number 15, Jose Miranda. Last year in 125 games, he hit 15 home runs. He had a stolen base, 45, 66, 268. You him down for 22 home runs, one stolen base, 79, 90, 283. Um, I mean, Jose Miranda is another, you know, possible upside play here at first base. And, and honestly, there's not that many of them. No, there's not. That's probably why I'm like excited about Jose Miranda. Cause like if it was a normal year, like I'd look at Jose Miranda and be like, hmm, Heimer Condelaria? Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> but because it's like such a weak year in first base, but I'm like, ooh, Jose Miranda, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about a 260 hitter that can hit more than 20 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got like, you know, I, I put in a, I wrote it, actually, I wrote a sleeper post about him. And I, uh, in, in the sleeper post, I uh, put a video from uh, a walk-off home run he hit um, in July. <laughs> you know, <laughs> drafting a guy based on one swing. <laughs> it's a little bit of a stretch. I'll say that. But, you know, if you look at that video, he really, like, he shows, in, like, incredible power. Like, it's not really, like, it doesn't look like a swing that is going to be, like, a 40-homer swing. Like, I'm not going to get crazy with myself here, but his swing – like and how far he drives the ball it's a second uh second deck uh walk off home run and it is like everyone in the stadium knew immediately how like how far the ball was going like it was really like it was a shot so if he's got that power you would think he'd be able to get at least some homers <laughs> You know, like this is a little bit like galaxy braining myself into thinking Jose Miranda is great, (laughs) but he's at least good. I mean, he may not be great. I may be completely insane for saying like, you know, he's got this incredible upside. He may not, but he does have a really solid floor that isn't dramatically different than say, Jose Abreu, you know, to, to keep this in the, uh, in the theme of Jose's <laughs> Jose Miranda's like, uh, he's, he's a good solid contact. I mean, as a rookie or even in his career, he's got an 18% strikeout rate. Like he's got really good. He makes good contact. He doesn't strike out a ton. So, and his average, like he hits the ball hard. So like I could see like a three ten ish Babbitt, even though he has no speed. Uh, but a 310-ish Babbitt with a 275-ish average and 23 homers, 23 homers, 275, doesn't sound amazing. That could be essentially Jose Abreu. So <laughs> ah, maybe maybe not the incredible upside of like that you'd want to see from a sleeper, but I do like Jose Miranda. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking at him later in drafts. Yeah, and for what it's worth, in in 2021, across double and triple A, he hit 30 home runs. He hit 345 basically at both levels. Um, and last year in the second half, he hit 280. So, like, the average is possible there. Like you said, he doesn't really strike out at a high level. He walks a ton. Um, he's got – or he doesn't actually walk a ton, but he walks a little bit. Um, he, he does make contact a lot. I will say maybe the one thing that held is holding his power numbers back is he seemed to kind of hit a lot, a lot of like toppers last year where he just the breaking ball broke broke more than he thought and just kind of clipped the top of it, hit some hit, hit some weak grounders. So if he can figure that part out, I do think there is some upside on the average and, and even then the home runs potentially because um, I do think he has some untapped power that we can potentially see. Uh, I'm not projecting him for 30, but I, I think that's not out of the realm of possibility. Right. Yeah. And with the 30, thankful, I mean, his floor on his average should be pretty solid. So, you know, at worst, he's Andrew Vaughn. Mm, Not great, but that's at worst. At best, at best, he could have power upside. Yeah. I mean, there's there's really no reason he couldn't put up like a 
what CJ Crone did last year, plus maybe some average. Like that, that's very yeah. much within the realm of possibility. Yep. Um, Rowdy Tellez comes in at 16 last year. He went 35 home runs, two stolen bases, 67, 89. He hit 219, 306, 461. Um, 22 home runs at home, 13 away. Not not the best split that you want to see. Um, but you have him down for 36 home runs, one stolen base, 71, 91, and 251. And uh, the note that I made here is uh, who the hell is Rowdy Tellez? Like he's had a 314, a 283, and a 219 average season. He's had 21, 11, and 35 home runs. His K rate has gone anywhere between 28% all the way down to sub 16%. Um, like I was, we were talking about like players that baffled me, CJ Crone, one of them, like the baffled me earlier, like Rowdy Tellez is maybe the most baffling player to me on this entire list. Like it is absurd. I don't understand like where, like who he is. <laughs> um, well, he's a big boy. He is. <laughs> we'll say that. <laughs> he's a big boy. You know, that's for sure. The, uh, most people, I think, are uh, – I've seen Corey Seager. Um, I think I've seen Rizzo. I've seen, a, I've seen a, a lot of the same names for, like, the shift ending and how much uh, and how much better certain players could get. I don't think I've seen a lot about Rowdy Tellas, but I think he could really be a benefit a benefactor of the shift ending. I think there's a good chance like, cause he hits the ball really hard. So who he is, is a guy who hits the ball hard and you know, he's like a, a and he runs like a bowling ball. <laughs> if a bowling <laughs> ball had legs, I, I he's just like, you know, I think he's a, a 30 Homer two fifty hitter. Like I, I really think like, I, I don't think he's necessarily like, uh, a guy who's going to like, maybe like, he's not going to find speed obviously, but he had like a top 2% max uh, exit velocity and 36 on average um, 36 highest for average. Like, I think like his, like the ball just really flies off of his bat. So I wouldn't be surprised if like he, like I, I wrote a sleeper post on him, so I'm obviously a fan. Like he hits, he hits really. Like he hits when he hits a ball. I mean, he hits it really hard. So you would think with the shift ending, like I, I feel like he's getting like forgotten about. Like the guys who could potentially have like a huge uptick in value for like with the shift gone. Like I think he could be a surprise, like really good on average. And he's going to hit for power. I, I don't think the power is going anywhere. Like you said, there was some shift, uh, some split issues, but I mean, if you just look at his peripherals, like he hits the ball in the air a lot. He's got, you know, his home per fly ball isn't outrageous to be like, it's, it's repeatable from last year, 18.7%. And his hard, his hard hit percentage is really good. Like I mentioned. So with the ball in the air, hitting the ball hard, and the shift ending, I think there could be a recipe here for like Rowdy Tellus to be like have his like little bit of not necessarily like you know I don't think he's gonna hit like three hundred and forty five homers, but he could potentially like last year he hit thirty five homers. If he hits thirty five homers and two fifty, 
it's great. It's a great year. I mean, for especially for a first baseman this year, like that's a that's like a top five first baseman year. So I'm in. I, I like Rowdy Tellis. Yeah, I I don't I don't hate him because you know it, the home away splits is basically because he was in Milwaukee. Like Milwaukee is among the top five parks the hitter can go to for home runs. That, so he stayed in Milwaukee. I really don't have a problem drafting him. Um, it's just the like his line year to year is just the most baffling thing to me. And that's, that's kind of what I was getting towards. Um, I don't know that I, I see him as a guaranteed like 30 home run guy because he's only ever hit 30 home runs once. He's really only ever been on pace for it once. Um, I, I just, uh, and again, maybe it's just getting from Toronto and Milwaukee. Maybe it's strictly a ballpark thing and he's, you know, the, the poor man, CJ Crone, or maybe the exact same thing as CJ Crone. Um, but I just, I don't know <laughs> that it improves off of last season that much. Listen to the first base rankings podcast where we compare everyone to CJ Crone, <laughs> <laughs> CJ Crone, Eric Hosmer, you know, all the, all the, uh, Reese Hoskins and Matt Olson. Everybody's compared to those guys. Um, moving on to the next guy, number 17, Anthony Rizzo. He's back with the Yankees last year. He had 32 home runs, six stolen bases, 77, 75, 224, 338, 480, you have him down for 29 home runs, seven stolen bases, 74, 78, 226. So you pretty much have him in line with what he what he did last year and, and kind of what to expect, I think, at this point in his career. Yeah, definitely. I think also isn't like I think his shifts, uh, shifts, his splits are <laughs> uh, his splits are, I think, bad, but they're always bad. I feel like he's always like. He takes a dump in the second half. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the technical term for what he does. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear that often. Oh, he's taking a dump. Uh, yeah, I mean, he I mean, he is basically, at the end of the year, his second half, uh, this is going on a couple of years now where he hasn't had a great second half. It wasn't just last year. Uh, previous years, he didn't have a great second half. But I think if you're looking at like um, – his numbers, like at the end of the year, they always look relatively the same. Uh, I think also with like ADP, he's not. I mean, I, I don't mind him. Like if he's there at like one fifty to one sixty overall, eh, that's fine. I don't. I don't mind Anthony Rizzo. I mean, you just got to know. I think you know you got to expect the. Uh, him doing a number two in the second half. But if it's, you know, if, if the first half is as good as it always is, then I think he's going to be fine. I, uh, I think, you know, he's probably a little bit underrated. Like if you look at just his numbers, uh, you know, let's see, who can we compare him to <laughs> CJ Crone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, CJ Crone minus 30 points in average. Okay. <laughs> yeah i mean that's not that's not that far off um you know i guess there's the the one thing that kind of stands out for him is that there's not much time for him at dh in new york so maybe that's part of the second half fall off that, that's come as he's gotten older is he, he can't just fall into the dh and just hit because they have stanton uh they obviously try and get judge some days off there too so that may be the biggest problem for him is just he wears over we wears out a little bit over the second half um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, he's pretty much going to give you his numbers. I, I don't really see anything that stands out too much that we need to discuss more. Uh, number 18 is Alec Baum. Last year, he had 13 home runs, two stolen bases, 
79, 72. He hit 280, 315, 398. You have him down for 18 home runs, six stolen bases, 81, 75, 286. Um, I mean, he finally got his ground ball rate under 50%, so that's a positive. Uh, but uh, still is not quite hitting the ball with the same authority we thought we would see from Alec Bob. Yeah. I also think, like, uh, if you think of, like, uh, Yelich um, or any other guy who, like, only only if he were to change his launch angle <laughs> – you know, it's like, it's never, it's never that simple. Uh, even though like, yeah, Alec bomb, like you mentioned, I mean, he did hit for, uh, he did hit a little bit less on the ground balls, uh, last year and his fly balls were up a little bit. Uh, he's, he's a line drive hitter more than anything. I think if you're, uh, looking at, you know, him, uh, maybe I, I have him for 18 homers, like you mentioned, I don't know. Even in retrospect, that might be a little bit high. That might be a little bit optimistic, but if he can get to like, you know, I don't know, 15 to 18 homers, he is a two. I mean, he is essentially a 280 hitter. So it's, it's basically Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> if it's not <laughs> PJ Crow, another it's Andrew, Andrew Vaughn. Vaughn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I will say for Baum, um, and obviously we talked about the launch angle, it almost doubled from 21 to 2022. So there is a little bit of hope here that he, you know, he upped the launch angle, he maintained the average. So if he can just continue to do that, like uh, Philly's not, a, a, or Philly's a pretty good stadium for him to be in. So, I mean, I don't think 18's unreasonable. I, I think he can get there. He's still only going to be 26. There's still some, you know, potential for growth there, but uh, you, you know, he is pretty much on that Yelich like just line drives and beat the ball into the ground type of path. So until that changes, I don't know. You can go go really above, you know, eighteen to twenty home runs. Yep. All right, moving on to number nineteen, Seth Brown. Uh, you actually had a sleeper post on him too. Uh, in twenty twenty two, he went twenty five home runs, eleven stolen bases. 50 feet, 55, 73, 230. You have him down for 28 home runs, nine stolen bases, 69, 81, and a 238 average. Um, I mean, it seems like you, you're kind of in on Seth Brown a little bit here. I am. Yeah, I, I am totally in on him. It's, uh, you know, like his second half barrels uh, were 17.3%, which was fourth in the majors. Like, you know, it's again, like I was saying earlier, like the second half, uh, you know, second half is either a harbinger for what's to come or it's just the second half and he's going to not be as good in the first half this year. But I mean, he really was like, you know, like it seems like he was breaking out a little bit and he's not a zero in speed and he's got good power. So if he's able to like, you know, connect the dots and have like a 27 to 30 homer year with like, seven to 10 steals and he only struck out 26% of the time and hit 230 overall. I mean, it's not inconceivable that if all these things were to come together, like I'm not talking about a guy, like he's not necessarily like his ADP right now is 205 overall. So he's, it's not like you're at the pay. You don't have to pay a lot to find out. So I like Seth Brown for like his price uh, where he's going in drafts and what he could potentially do. I think there's 
really a, a solid chance here for like a breakout that is like on par with Matt Olson. <laughs> See, I, I was going to compare it. He's way better than CJ Crone and Andrew Vaughn. If you're doing a ceiling, he's like a Matt Olson. <laughs> if you're doing a ceiling. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, that's fair. Um, I guess maybe the only concern is, you know, how long does a breakout at 29 or how often does a breakout at 29 carry over into age 30 season? Um, but as, as the numbers go, he was definitely trending in the right direction in the second half average came up. He took more walks, power increased. So everything looked moving in the right direction here in the second half. So I really don't mind taking the shot on Seth Brown. Uh, we're getting a little bit long here, Grace. So I'm going to group these next two together because they basically had uh, very solid first halves and then got traded to San Diego and shit the bed. Um, that is Josh Bell and Brandon Drury. Um, you know, Josh Bell goes to the Nationals now and Drury goes to the Angels, the West Coast Cubs. Uh, I mean, let's just kind of talk about these two together uh, to, to try and move us along here. Josh Bell goes to the Guardians. Is that what you're Our Guardians. Sorry. Yeah, he was uh, at Nationals and then he went to the Guardians this year. Sorry. Right. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, no, I don't I don't really like either of them either. <laughs> so I'll keep it even shorter for you. Awesome. We can move on. <laughs> I mean, Josh Bell and uh and Brandon uh, Drury, I, I guess they're going at ADP wise, they're going around 180 for 185 for Josh Bell and 195 for Brandon Drury. So uh, essentially in the same area of ADP as they are in my rankings, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping in, you know, in best case scenario, I already have drafted a corner man. And now I'm looking at like either utility or I'm not looking at these guys. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe, maybe a utility uh, with Josh Bell. I don't know. I, I don't trust Brandon Drury is like, I mean, he really feels like just like Anthony Rendon, the second going to the angels, like goodbye. Like I don't see anything coming of that. And Josh Bell, he does like, he tends to have these, like, it's interesting too, because watching him swing, like at least for, to my eye, like, it looks like he has like an upper, uh, like an uppercut swing, but he hits the ball very flat. Uh, and it, he, he hits a lot of ground balls. Like Josh Bell is surprisingly never mentioned in the uh, Christian Yelich conversation, but Josh Bell doesn't hit many fly balls either. So him in Cleveland, not hitting fly balls. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> not great. I don't know. I mean, he's also maybe because of like when he does hit uh lefty, Maybe he maybe the shift uh, ending helps him a little bit, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of either either of these guys. Yeah, I feel like Josh Bell is the guy you're like you take if you just completely forgot about the position. You're like, oh my god, somebody please get here <laughs> acceptable season. Um, and then Drury, you're you're Drury, you're taking here because he has three three position eligibility. That's that's why you're taking him here. You're not necessarily taking him to get the same numbers he gave you last year. He gets first, second, and third eligibility. So, like, that's why you're taking him at this point. Um, number 22 is Joey Manessis. Uh, <laughs> last year in 56 games, he hit 13 home runs, one stolen base, 33, 34. He hit 324, 367, 563. 
crazy, crazy numbers in 56 games. And Triple tri- A last year, in 96 games, he had 20 home runs, a stolen base, 51-64, and he had 286. Uh, you have him down for 20 home runs, two stolen bases, 68, 74, 261 here. Uh, this is a guy that I'm probably taking a shot on before like any of the last guys we've talked about other than maybe Seth Brown, just because I feel like Joey has, has some untapped upside that like we haven't seen since we talked about, like, I don't know if Ryan Mountcastle got traded. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Joey, Joey's got his menzies is not like, I don't know. I, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't, I don't see Honestly. <laughs> I mean, you, Hey, more power to you if you draft him and he and he does what he's supposed to do. But I was kind of I was kind of surprised when I saw him being drafted, even as high as he was. Uh, I I feel like if you were to give you a a, a name and a scenario of who I think he is, uh, think Luke Voigt coming out of the twenty twenty season. Like, yeah, I mean, he had a good sixty games. <laughs> Joey Menes, Joey Menzies had a good 60 games. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he didn't even have a good, he didn't even have as good as 60 games as Luke Voigt had in 2020, but I mean, he had a good 60 games. I don't know. I, I don't really, and he's, he's such a quad a player. I feel like he's not really very good. (laughs) He feels like a guy who like, this time next year, people were going to be like, hey, remember Joey Menzies? <laughs> like, I just don't see him doing anything this year. Like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not in. <laughs> Good luck to you, though, if you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's completely fair. I mean, he is a 30 year old. I just kind of railed on Seth Brown for being the kind of the same thing. But that's kind of the group I, I'm sticking him in with is like the Seth Brown. 30-year-old breakout group because that's where he belongs. Um, I, I will say if he qualified, he didn't qualify because he only played 60 or 56 games. If he qualified, he would have been 79th in barrel rate, 39th in hard hit, and 30th in average exit velocity. Um, in your article or in this article, the first baseman article, you compared him to Luke Voigt. And my big dis- difference between them is Luke Voigt was going as a top 10 first baseman. Uh, you can get you can get Joey like around 280 p. So it, there's just a lot less risk than what we saw with Luke Boyd. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's the upside there. Uh, Luis Arez, Arez uh, comes in at 23. He's first base, second base eligibility. He's moving to the Marlins. Last year, he had eight home runs, four stolen bases. He had 316, 375, 420. You have him down for seven home runs, five stolen bases, uh, 93, 53, 312. Uh, look, it's Freddie Freeman, but 180 picks later. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> even even if you were to say to Luis Urias, uh, "Hey, you're kind of like Freddie Freeman," he'd be like, "Am I? <laughs> I don't think so." <laughs> oh, hold up! I think you loco. <laughs> I I would I would be very surprised if he would agree with you, unless he really thought a lot of himself. <laughs> um yeah i mean he is like he's just an average bet really like if you're you know if if you are really hurting an average and you're like i have to get a utility guy who can hit 315 then i you know and if jeff mcneil's off the board i guess you can try luis urace but yeah i'm i'm not 
I, in general, I'm not a guy who usually drafts uh, guys who are only good in one category and that category being average. <laughs> it's not usually how I draft players. Uh, I would probably, I would go for just about anything <laughs> instead of Arias. I would probably, even though know, take a, a flyer on like a Miguel Vargas <laughs> before Arias. But if you really need average, he's going to give you average. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like Arreyes a little bit more than it sounds like you do. Um, he does give you average. He's also going to sit at the top of the Marlins lineup. So I just like he's going to give you runs, going to give you average. That's pretty much it. But I think that's that's going to be a little bit more valuable than, um, you know, what uh, what his ADP is. Plus, he's got dual eligibility at first, second. So that's nice to have as well. Although you're probably not playing him at first regardless. So um, maybe a little bit of a moot point in this discussion. Jake Cronenworth comes in at 24. Uh, last year, he had 17 home runs, three stolen bases, 88, 88, 239. You have him down for 18 home runs, five stolen bases, 79, 78, 247. Um, I mean, straight Cronenworth. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, with uh, with first baseman in general, like if you want to find a first baseman who's going to hit – 18 to 22 homers and 250 to 270 average, you're going to have no problem finding that. <laughs> if, that's, if that's your kink, young man, you're going to be really horny this year. <laughs> yes, uh, you, you got plenty of that coming your way. Uh, moving on to number 25 is Tristan Casas. Last year in 27 games, he hit five home runs. He had a stolen base and he hit 197. And AAA last year in 72 games, he had 11 home runs and he hit 273. You have him down for 19 home runs, a stolen base, 57, 66, 243. I will say on Casas, he's always been considered kind of a top prospect. Uh, you know, people were clamoring for him to come up and play first base, base last year for Boston. I got to say, like the prospect pedigree aside, the numbers have never really stood out to me that like he's a top prospect that he should be considered in this, in this realm of top prospects. Um, so, I mean, maybe I'm just less excited about him than, and maybe it's I just Boston like, like fans. To, uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I need to, I don't have it completely formulated in my head yet, even though I, I just cut you off in order to say it, <laughs> but I do think that there's something to like a guy is considered a top prospect and they're really just a, serviceable major leaguer <laughs> like it's like there's so many guys in the minor leagues who will never be serviceable uh, major leaguers that it, you you look at a guy and you're like that guy can hit 25 homers and 270 in the major leagues that's a top prospect and you're and then they get to the major leagues and they only hit like 20 homers and 260 and it's like wait he was supposed to be a top prospect it's like yeah he's basically doing what we expected <laughs> like what <laughs> You guys need to you need to lay off of the top prospect talk a little bit <laughs> because you're saying top prospect about way too many guys. I still have my top prospect, Bobby Dahlbeck, <laughs> who hasn't even <laughs> become a top prospect yet. I mean, I, you know, I agree with you. Like, if you look at his numbers, you're like, how is he a top prospect? But then you ask somebody in the prospect game and they'll be like, yeah, he's got great power. He's going to hit 30 homers and 250." And you're like, wow. So 
Like, you should hear the pop off his bat. And I'm like, when he hits the ball? Yeah. When does that happen? Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, man, you should see how hard the ball goes off his bat. It's like, yeah. (laughs) And what does that mean for me, man? Straight into somebody's glove. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I agree with you, though. A certain respect, like, there's there's a hundred, you know, like, there's a hundred top prospects in a top 100 <laughs> grades breaking news so no so there's a hundred top prospect right only like 15 of them are gonna be any good <laughs> so it's like 85 guys are like considered top prospects and they get to the major leagues and it's like he's nicky lopez <laughs> like uh, wait what how is he a top prospect like yeah he's got a good glove and he's got speed that's a top prospect bro like uh is it i don't know <laughs> Uh, anyway yeah Yeah. Casas is I mean I'm just hoping he plays if he plays I feel like he could hit 20 homers and 245 which you know I mean in a deep league you could do worse I guess (laughs) it's not as long as he plays yeah I mean I, I think he by all accounts he should have an opportunity to play I mean I don't I don't know why they wouldn't let him roll it out there and see like, is he going to be the guy? Can he adjust? Can he do everything? Um, so I agree that he's going to have some value. I just, I, I just wanted to bring it up that I don't know where, where the prospect pedigree really comes from other than like when he was drafted, which was like four or five years ago. Um, yeah, well, you got to consider the prospect pedigree is like, there's, there's people making, you know, making their bread and butter on, uh, saying prospects are going to be good and they have to say at least a hundred of them <laughs> hundred of them aren't going to be good. So, you know, it's like if 85% of them are wrong, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to be good. Yeah, no shit, bro. <laughs> but if Kirsten Casa is going to be good, that's what I really want to know. You don't got to tell me the top five guys are good. You got to tell me if guy number 78 is going to be like right. exactly. average major leaguer is or like a below. going to be good. How good will number 78 be? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. All right, moving on to number 26, and that is Josh Naylor. Um, last year, he hit 20 home runs. He had six, six stolen bases, uh, went 47-79, hit 256. You have him down for 18 home runs, two stolen bases, 56-64, and a 259 average. Um, not even sure he gets full playing time this year since the Guardians did add Josh Bell, but I would imagine he finds a way into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, completely. And I think, you know, again, like if if your kink is like 17 to 22 homers at a 260 average ish, I mean, <laughs> just bring probably, out the handcuffs now. Worse. I do, I, I do, yeah. I mean, I feel like Josh Naylor, especially if Josh Naylor also inherits uh, some of Bo Naylor's uh, stats, then he's going to really be good. <laughs> if they, if the scorekeeper gives uh, the scorekeeper, then he could be a two forty twenty three home run guy. Scorekeeper, what am I playing basketball? <laughs> what am I doing? Am I playing Scrabble? The scorekeeper. Uh, the, if the official score gives Josh Naylor all uh, Bo Naylor's uh, stats, then we're really going to be great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Josh Naylor's had a, uh, he's had a little bit of like. 
a little helium in his numbers that's a little surprising to me. Um, but I can't I can't attest for what other people are thinking. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's fine. Again, like he doesn't have like I don't know, like when he gets into a ball, like if you've ever seen him homer, you're like, wow, he's got great power. But then you look at his numbers and it's like, yeah, I mean, he's okay. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like all first baseman this year. It's like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a guy who was supposed to be like power first. He's the, his max home runs in a season was last year in the majors with twenty. That seems that seems really odd that you would max out your home runs in the majors. Um, I just don't know that like his carrying tool again power is, is showing up. Um, maybe his hit tool is a little bit better than I thought though. So that's that's a possibility. I don't hate Josh Naylor. It's just I, I don't I'm not betting on him to, to break out in any significant way either. Um, Will Myers comes in at 27. He's going to Cincinnati last year in 77 games. He went he had seven home runs, two stolen bases, 29, 41, 261. Uh, you have him down for 18, 5, 49, 53, 246 and 403 at bats. He had like a three week stretch where he was useful uh, for fantasy purposes last year. Can he get some of that Brandon Drury rub off in, in Cincy? I, you know, I think he could actually. I think with uh, I think Cincy is like the new Coors Field. Like it's Coors, anyone, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's just core. I mean, it's Coors, man. It's like if Midwest Coors. It's Midwest Coors, man. It's it's, <laughs> it's Midwest Coors, bro. <laughs> the banquet. <laughs> It like, sounds like the world's worst bartender. It's like, yeah, it's like Midwest Coors. Like, oh, wow. That sounds great. Give me a, a bottle of that. Yeah, um, I'll take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> take a picture. <laughs> Give me a picture. <laughs> Give me a nice ice cold picture of Midwest Coors. <laughs> uh, you know, Will Myers, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if he's like, traded in july i could like i could totally see him getting moved if he has a good first half but in most leagues if you get a good first half you can probably piece together a second half with another hitter like will myers totally feels like a kind of guy who would like get traded and become a platoon player <laughs> not to not oh, to yeah. totally go completely down the brandon drury uh road but i mean that he does feel like it feels exactly. very jewelry like. It feels very jewelry like. Yeah. Speaking of Midwest cores, if you drink enough pictures, you start saying jewelry. <laughs> jewelry. Jewelry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't mind him though. Uh, super late. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind him either. Um, he's always had a little bit of power speed combo, and I think he might be one of those guys. Like he's going to the Reds. They have nothing to play for, so they could play him pretty much until they get trade value. Like he has pretty much maintained his speed. Like that's that's probably seems crazy to everybody. He was faster last year than he was in 2016. Like that's really weird to me, but it's it's like by the by the stats, that's true. Um, and so like if the Reds are just gonna let him do whatever he wants and run whenever he wants, I could see some value coming here. And I really and people hate Will Myers, so like you can get him so late. Um, 447 is his average draft position right now, Gray. Um, so I, I really don't not mind a, a late, late flyer on Will Myers here. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Will Myers is probably, I don't know for a fact, but yeah, he's a 251. So just, uh, you know, just to, uh, not that I, uh, you know, not that I, I see him being like a high draft pick, but since he got signed by the Reds, 
he's had a little bit of more helium. He's going at 250 overall. Um, I would draft him at 250 overall, though. I mean, if he's there, I would, I would, I like, I don't, I never liked Will Myers, or actually, I haven't liked Will Myers in like eight years. Speaking of guys with top prospect pedigree, <laughs> everyone loves Will Myers. Like, oh, Will Myers gonna be an, he's gonna be like a top 10 player. Oh, what happened there, guys? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. yeah, I mean, anyway, he's going at like 250. I would draft him at like 250. I, I have no problem, Will Myers. And that's going coming off of like seven years when I didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah, I've always been a little bit of a, uh, a Will Myers uh, sucker, so I, I can't say that I haven't liked him before. But yeah, I, I think first base outfield eligibility going where he is in, in drafts, uh, I think he'd do worse. Moving on to twenty eight, that's Brendan Donovan. Yeah, uh, last year he had five home runs, two stolen bases, sixty four, forty five, two eighty one, and one hundred twenty six games. Young down for eight home runs, seven stolen bases, 69, 51, and 286. Wow, that's boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not great, I guess. <laughs> I like, uh, you know, I, I think honestly, I think Brandon, uh, uh, Ron, I think Brandon, he's going much later, by the way. Donovan's going later in drafts, at least, um, than I have him ranked. I have him like like this is we should probably say this is like the end of like a 12 team mixed league like this is like these guys may not even get drafted in all your 12 team leagues but if you're going to draft mm-hmm. them they're these are like utility guys in a 12 team league and like deep corner uh 15 team league guys maybe utility uh anyway Donovan I mean for right now unless the Cardinals sign anyone Donovan's sitting in the middle of the lineup uh like he's hitting probably in the middle of that uh, Cardinals lineup, which isn't awful. And he's like, I don't know. I mean, definitely not great. <laughs> I mean, not, not amazing, but he's got a good hit tool. Like I wouldn't be shocked to see him hit like, you know, I mean, he could surprise. I have him for 286, which is maybe a little bit high, but yeah, I mean, he's got a little bit of power, very little, when I say little, little, it's really emphasizing on the little. He's got a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and he hits for a good average. In the middle of a Cardinals lineup, you can probably do worse if he's getting anywhere close to 470 at-bats. He's the kind of guy who, in deeper leagues, you set him and forget him if he's in the the Cardinals lineup and you just let him go out there at, at, like, you know, corner or he's got a lot of eligibility too i want to say he's got like corner and mi um so he can probably play and outfield as well so he could probably play all over yeah i mean i'm kind of trying to defend my rank (laughs) i I think he's but i I think he's probably gonna be ranked like on the player raider if he gets 470 at bats he's not gonna be much worse than a top 30 outfield, uh, excuse me, first baseman. Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose so. Uh, by maybe by default, falling in there. Uh, I think the biggest reason to draft him is the positional eligibility. So if you want that, that's fine. Um, I'm also a little bit worried because, like, Cardinals players that come out of nowhere and put up a solid season don't have a great track record of like repeating said good why season. You, why are you talking shit about Edmundo Sousa? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so that's always hanging in the back of my mind. Like if he goes from two eighty to like two forty, how dare you talk about Aladami's Diaz? <laughs> <laughs> that's my concern. All right, twenty nine uh, is a guy that I like uh, that I'm probably going to draft everywhere because I've always liked him, and that's Alex Kirilov in forty five games last year. He hit three home runs. He, to hit 250, 290, 361. Uh, in AAA last year, he had 10 home runs with a 359, 465, 641 slash line. Uh, you have him down this year for 19 home runs, three stolen bases, 57, 62, and 261. I, this is a guy that I am hanging on to, just the prospect pedigree, and I'm hoping it comes <laughs> over because he's never been healthy. Like, he can't stay healthy. <laughs> to get me a full season so he can do it, but I, I think it's coming. I, I it's coming, Ray. Oh man, you said prospect pedigree. I was just like, I couldn't hold it in anymore. <laughs> I had to laugh. Yeah, he's another guy that's like, oh yeah, he's gonna be a uh, he's gonna be a star in the major leagues. I mean, maybe may, maybe he'll stay healthy and and be and and hit well or hit as well as people thought he was going to. Because yeah, I mean, he does supposedly have a good hit tool and power but no speed um he may not be completely different than andrew vaughn <laughs> the other top prospect that we keep talking about yeah yeah, yeah. 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 we'll see i guess <laughs> fair enough fair enough um uh so yeah we'll uh we'll wait and see on eric's go off Again, I, I'm willing to go in on him. It's It's been more injuries than him not performing to this point. So hoping he gets his chance, stays healthy. Up next is number 30, and that's Juan Yepes. Last year, he had 12 home runs, hit 253, 296, 447. And AAA last year in 50 games, he had 16 home runs and 277. You have him down for 16 home runs, 49, 56, and a 262 average. I don't know. It, it kind of feels like this is the the Cardinals guy that we've all decided is is not for real among <laughs> the group of them. Like Newt Bar, like Lars Newt Bar, people are love. Like Brendan Donovan. I mean, people aren't really in, in love with him. But like, oh, think yeah, he's gonna do what so he's gonna right. do. Like so one, you pass is the one oh, everybody's yeah. like, nah. Totally. Yeah. No. Completely. <laughs> like everyone's like. Lars Newbar. Oh yeah, he's gonna be good. Like, what? Uh, wait, what? Yeah, he's, he's the one that's gonna be good. Juan Yepes not gonna be good. Like, what? Like, I don't, yeah, man, you're right. I don't know why that is either. Because you look at Juan Yepes and you're like, well, in 76 games, uh, I mean, he had more homers than say Vinny Pescatino. He, he hit more homers than him in essentially the same number of games. He has a really good uh, contact rate. Like he doesn't strike out a ton. He was like, you know, he's a late bloomer, obviously. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't see why everyone's decided. Yep. Is, is going to be the one that's going to be bad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I could totally, I mean, I mean, for his price, I'm not saying like I'm drafting him in like the the top 200, but for his price, I I have no problem with Juan Yepes at like 270. You know, he's, right now his ADP is 307. You know, when you're this late, you know the difference between 270 and 307 really isn't that big of a difference. Um, unlike the difference I was saying earlier with like low and. Uh, 
uh, Olsen. Uh, yeah, I, I think Yepes at 275, like grab him and see what happens. As long as he's still in the lineup with the Cardinals. And right now he's penciled in as a starter. If he gets 450 plus at bats, I got no problem taking him at like, you know, at late as a corner man or a utility, like super late in a deep league. Yeah, and uh, he'll start the season with first base outfield. He could potentially get third base because they use him there whenever they want to get Arenado a day off or stick Arenado in the DH. So um, he's going to have dual eligibility as well. I really don't mind taking Yepes here. Um, I I feel like he had just as good a quality at bats. Maybe I think he had the best quality at bats among like those three, you know, the three Cardinals players we're referencing here. So. Uh, if anything, I think there's a little bit of room for him to move up in the lineup above, you know, a Brendan Donovan, above a Lars Newbar. And if Tyler O'Neill doesn't get his shit together, he, he can move up above Tyler O'Neill even. Um, yeah, he could be like – he could slot in – like he's a like a cleanup hitter type at uh, a bat. So he could slot in at like, you know – uh, right below uh, Arenado or something. Well, they yeah. they hit from the they hit from the same side of play, but like you know maybe six in the order. Uh, someone hitting between Arenado and him. But yeah, I mean I I like Yepes a lot. I'm surprised that no one's really like int- it. Doesn't seem like it. At least people are interested in him in drafts. Yeah, I, I agree. I have like I there's been no fight for him for me to get him very late. Um, so great, we're here. We've gone really late, really long here on the first baseman. No surprise there. Uh, we're at 31. Let's let's talk about this. I'm just going to name the next tier. Let's talk about maybe one of these guys, and then we'll pick a late guy. Uh, in this next tier is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. at 31, Trey Mancini at 32, Luke Foyt at 33, Yandy Diaz at 34, Jared Walsh at 35, Wilmer Flores at 36, and Joey Votto at 37. I mean, among this group, who are you most likely to, to maybe take the shot on here? Uh, I would say probably Trey Mancini because, like, if the Cubs sign him, they're going to play him. I don't, you know, I I hate that the club that the Cubs sign that the Cubs signed him because it hurt uh, Matt uh, Mervis. I think it hurt him at least. I don't know. Yeah. It at least delayed him a little bit. But I I don't love that the Cubs signed Mancini, but I could see Mancini having a little bit of value uh super late for like a corner or a utility guy yep again if you love a 20 to 25 home run 240 250 guy they are in high availability here um (laughs) but uh to the to that point you also like if you're gonna take a guy in like the top 150 he's gonna give you 240 20 home runs maybe you just wait it out maybe you just wait it out and grab a couple of these late guys and see which one of them pans out to be that. Um, I yeah, think of I mean, these... if you're, like if you're honestly, if you're looking at like, I don't know, say Anthony Rizzo, who I like, uh, you know, not to disparage Anthony Rizzo, but if you're looking at Anthony Rizzo and you're looking at Trey Mancini's numbers, I'm probably not that different, to be honest. If yeah. Mancini gets 520 at-bats uh, and Rizzo gets, you know, his usual 480 at-bats, they might not really be that different, even though, you know, that probably sounds like madness to some people because of the short porch and everyone thinks Rizzo is just like this great bet for power in Yankee stadium. But, you know, he's been in Yankee stadium and he's shown what he's 
what he's capable of. And it's, it's fine. It's not bad, but is Rizzo and Mancini that different? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I'd say Rizzo's power is a little bit more guaranteed, but I would say Mancini has the upside of a little bit more average than what we're going to see from Rizzo more than likely. Um, I would say my guy from my guy from this group is Jared Walsh. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be 29 in, in 2021. He had a 29 home run season. Now this, this may be like the dead ball just killed Jared Walsh and he just never hit the ball with that much authority. You know, actually, it's interesting. I had a, I had lunch with a, uh, a doctor this is it sounds it sounds like the beginning of a joke i I really i really did have lunch with a doctor uh who um who is familiar with the uh the to the tos surgery thoracic outlet uh surgery and he says it probably is like one of the worst surgeries a baseball player can have (laughs) like it's really not good like i you know that that's he wasn't that type of surgeon so take it for what it's worth but he was saying like he was uh, he knew baseball too. He wasn't surprised that Strasburg hasn't been great, and that other people coming back from that surgery have really struggled because, like the the muscles that it takes out, it's re- really important muscle. So uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. But Jared Walsh did have that surgery, so I don't know. All right, that's good to know. Actually, I uh, I didn't know where the thoracic landed on the on the recovery kind of you know bounce back kind of timeline so that is good to know and his second half was just just absolutely visible i mean really this whole season but damn that second half was real bad um any and you want to bring up one last name here from the rest of the like 30 first baseman yeah well i already said sure i said uh, mervis i said already so uh, yep. you know i i really liked him before uh the mancini uh and trade hosmer. And, uh, and hosmer too yeah that also uh, hosmer i felt less worried about because Hosmer's so crappy <laughs> but Mancini's not necessarily that crappy and the fact that they went out and got two guys anyway I still like Mervis but I I lowered Mervis in my uh my rankings um after they signed those two guys one guy who I think could be a surprise and he's also extremely late so you're you're looking at a guy who's ADP is let me see i don't even know I, he's so late i can't even find him but so spencer steer absolutely incredibly late <laughs> i don't know where it is on adp uh but it's late uh he's in cincy which we've already established is the midwestern cores yum yum give me some Hello, ice cold Midwestern course. <laughs> uh, Spencer Steer with uh, with a moist suck ass getting kicked to the curb. I think I think he's the everyday guy. Steer. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if that's necessarily like you know that doesn't mean like top ten value. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be realistic here. But uh, Midwestern course is good. Uh, Steer's got. Uh, dec- good power. It'll be power enough for Cincy where he'll hit like he'll hit the usual first baseman numbers of like 17 to 22 homers. <laughs> so, you don't have to worry about that. But he also has a good hit tool, supposedly. Last year he hit 211, so that wasn't good. But he doesn't strike out a lot. So you have, and he has a really good eye. So he walks a lot. He had like, you know, he was approaching 400 on base percentage in the minors. Steer could surprise with like a 250 average and 20 homers 
and you're talking to Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> uh, so, oh, yeah. oh man. <laughs> All right. Anyone, yeah. Was there anyone you had your eye on, uh, B Don? Uh, my guy that that's going late here uh, in this group is Spencer Torkelson, um, and it's it's really just based on uh, that fun word that we spit out a few times, prospect pedigree. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was he was literally like a like a top five prospect coming into last year, top ten at least. Um, obviously, his first stretch in the majors didn't go great. Hit two hundred three, not a ton of power. Strikeouts weren't that bad. Um, he still he was still walking, but. Like everybody that you talk to that that has seen this kid and and works in the prospect world, like says Spencer Torkelson is a just a great hitter. So I am willing to take him. He's being drafted around three forty, maybe even later than that. So at his current cost and what he could potentially give you if he, if it just kind of clicks for him, I, I think that's a shot that I'm willing to take. Yeah. Well. All right. You know who else they say uh, is a great prospect is Jonathan Arnada. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. You know who else they really like? Vidal Brujan, huh? People are really talking that guy up. Uh, yeah, so uh, Torkelson for me is yes because of his price, and I agree that I'm willing to give him one more chance. So very late, the two Spencers, Steer and Torkelson. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I think that's fair. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, that's where we'll look towards the end, and uh, we'll get into Brian when we get over to his position. But uh, I think uh, I think we've covered plenty of here in this almost two-hour podcast, Gray. Uh, as always, if you have specific questions, come to Twitter. You can find me. I'm at RazBeatOn, or Gray is, of course, the manager of the at RazBall account. Subscribe, rate, review, listen, all that on YouTube.com slash RazBallFantasy or on the, in whatever you get your podcasts on. And until we get back for second base next week, I will talk to you later, Gray. All right, lates. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.